Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the corner where the treats. Is is this the the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It comes down to that that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you made it here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to the man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys and chill, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because you done on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. And who are you picking to win the World Series? I'm picking the Royals, but I don't think that's going to work out, but we'll see. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey there, Marcus Dash here, co-host of Chief Concerns. At the conclusion of this episode, please make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast right here on YouTube. And for all you listeners out there, please be sure to give us a five-star review on any of the platforms you use to listen to us. I want to thank you all for listening to us throughout the season, and we look forward to engaging with you all throughout the offseason. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Chief Concerns. I'm here with our guy, former tight end Jason Dunn. And tonight we have special guest and guest host and a friend of the show and a former Chief Safety, Jared Pace. Jared, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, how you doing, man? How you doing, fellas? What's up, brother? What's up? What's up? Mm-hmm. Draft with draft week. I think everyone's I think everyone's excited about the, this this week. And I know a lot of Chief fans out there, depending on you know the kind of fan you are, a lot of Chief fans are nervous. I think I don't get it, but a lot of people are out there are nervous that Veach is going to somehow blow this with twelve picks. You can't really. You know, it's tough. It's going to be tough for him to blow a draft with uh, with twelve picks uh, coming up. It's going to be exciting to see where uh, a lot of these guys, uh, the young guys, end up. And we have a whole show kind of talking about the draft. So before we get to that, though, um, on Twitter, uh, JD, you had a question from uh, one of our followers asking. Who was the toughest uh, DN you've ever had to block? And uh, Jared, I want to ask you the same. Who, who was the toughest tight end you ever had to guard um, during a game or cover? So the um, floor is yours, guys. Wow. Okay. So, that, and I said, man, that's a, that's a great question. That's a tough question. Because when I tell you, man, when I go through like the who's who of defensive ends and outside linebackers, I mean, I'm talking about, I mean, we're talking about a 12-year career dealing with guys. And I'm talking about from, and I'll go through some things. Reggie White, Bruce Smith, like I said, the whole Bills defense, Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd. Uh, shoot, to the new guys, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Price, you know, uh, uh, let me see, uh, Sean Merriman, Sean Phillips. I mean, you, you're talking about, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I could just go on and on. Charles Haley. I mean, uh, uh, Michael Strahan, you know, the whole defense. I'm, I'm talking like that whole like that whole era of guys. And I'm talking about guys that are in, like if you just start looking at the top defensive ends that's ever played in the game, that's in the Hall of Fame, 
I probably had had more than majority of those guys I blocked. Let me put it that way. Okay, so um, it, it's that's tough, man. I, so I, that's a hard question to to really answer. But I will say this: what was always hard is when they take took the defensive tackles and try to push them out there to the five or nine every once in a while. <laughs> now that that's always the hard part. Every time we got those headbangers, man, like uh, Eric Swan. Eric Swan was one of them. I don't know if y'all remember Eric Swan, man, from the, for Arizona Cardinals. Okay, he, he was back in the day. Eric Swan didn't play uh, high school. Well, he didn't play college football. And he uh, he was a, a prop, comes in, ends up playing like, a, I think, like a small, like, you know, like a you know football, whatever, you know, league or something like that, making $50. Well, they go and get him. He gets drafted. Comes in, signs the biggest contract with uh, uh, the Arizona Cardinals at the time. And, man, he, he was a, a heavy load, heavy load. So, man, saying that, man, is it was really tough. But I will say this. This is one story. I'm, I'm going to tell this, this real good story. So we're playing. I don't know if I told this or not, but we're playing Pittsburgh Steelers, right? I got Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd, okay, on both either side of me. So I go from one side to the left to the next, and I got Greg Lloyd in front of me. Now, Greg Lloyd is not a, really a big guy, okay? But he was always muscles, you know, big dude. He was like an eighth-degree black belt. And I remember we was going through the cadence. And so when you go through the cadence, you know, you can kind of hear everything out there because, you know, you just everything's on point. So I remember they was going through the cadence like, damn, said, and I heard Greg Lloyd go, <sighs> like, like in a karate stance. I'm sitting there like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, this sucker's about to throw like a, you know, like a right cross in my throat or something like that. But he just, he got in that karate stick, you know, real nice Bruce Lee. <sighs> like, you can hear him breathing. I was like, oh, my gosh. This, this is my rookie year. This is my rookie year, man. So, it was a great story, man. I got tons of uh, stories like that. But that that's that's where I'm at with it. So, go ahead, uh, Jerry. <laughs> uh for me, in terms of uh, tight ends, I like best two overall in, in terms of uh, careers, obviously, uh, Tony Gonzalez and, and Antonio Gates. Uh, uh, Tony, I mean, I, I had to cover him in practice a lot, which was actually good practice because he, his body, Gates play similar to how Tony played in that they use a lot of their size kind of like, first of all, their feet, they're athletic for being their size. So they use their feet to get in certain positions and then their body just keeps you from getting, you know, to anything as they, you know, kind of use the basketball in them uh, to, you know, keep you out the paint and make the reception. Um, so I kind of got used to that in practice. And I'll say that like, Antonio Gates was nowhere near as physical as Tony, right? So, like, Tony was trying to get open, like, no matter what. Like, I mean, cheating, hitting you, your shoulder pad will be off. Like, I'm talking about, but that's – so I came in as a rookie, and that's what I got used to. Like, a dude that runs and, and is trying to get open, you know, like a receiving tight end, but that's how he plays. That's how he tries to get open. So, you know, you get used to when you start making contact with them dudes, you ain't just going – you know, push me around and stuff. And then so playing against Gates, that really helped me because I kind of, I'm, I'm going to, the way I play this, I'm going to kind of bring the fight to you. Like, you know what? Like I ain't, I ain't going to back up off of you and be scared and, you know, and, and kind of let you do what you're going to do. 
you're going to have to earn it. Like, I'm going to get up on you. And I've been used to somebody, you know, hitting me all down the field and, and hitting me in my side and all these things running routes. And he didn't do those things. So that made it, you know, that made it easier, you know, with him. But the same way, you know, that Tony was, first of all, both of them great hands. That thing touched anywhere near him, like they catching it, you know. And then to have the skill of being able to box you out kind of and get their arm free, you know, to get a finger on it or whatever they need, you know, to make that reception. That's that's what made it uh, tough on me. But I, my favorite games were playing against Gates. You know, I love that every year. Like I got to, you know, it was my job to go with him everywhere and cover him. And I, you know, I love that. That's what I, you know, I look forward to when we got to play, you know, San Diego twice a year, you know. Um, but I'll say this, though, like the dude that used to make me uh, – the dude that used to make me skip reps sometime in one-on-ones is uh, Aaron Hernandez. Man, mm. I'm telling you, I wish that dude at any point of his life would have never got kind of caught up in the way he was living. But my goodness, man, like, you don't want – you didn't want no parts of Aaron Hernandez, like, as a tight end. Like, I'm talking about you, – you talk about the best wide receivers you didn't cover? That dude was that. He was playing tight end, like – I sometimes I miss a little rep. Like I send the youngster when I was in uh, New England. He was a rookie. I send the young. You go do that. I'm so, not doing okay. that. Like I, so, I ain't so. doing that, man. Like this, that dude was out there. That's why Bill used to run tosses to him. He used to throw tosses to this dude out the backfield. Like you know, what yeah. I mean, like anything to get him with the ball in his hands. Like I like that dude was like. Uh, kind of like Brandon Marshall with his footwork after the catch. Kind of how he used to seem like he had eyes in the back of his head the way the dude to be coming in to kill him. It looked like he don't see him and he and he and he dodges it and he could just, you know, shake a dude that it looked like he didn't see. All that, but also when he's running routes, you know, at full speed. I like that dude was a problem. Like that's by far, like as far as actually staying in front of a guy, that was the hardest dude that I ever lined up on. And that was in practice. You know, like, uh, so I don't know what them dudes was doing when they actually had to cover him in the game because, well, I mean, they wasn't doing nothing. That's why him and Gronk were going crazy. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I understand why. <laughs> interesting, man. That's, hey, that's that's interesting. That's I, I like that. I like oh, you, you say. You, I mean, you talk to anybody that was there playing DB, you know, during that time, and they'll tell you. So, so right, that was a problem for a corner, and that was a problem for a safety, and the linebacker had no chance. <laughs> wow. Aaron was tougher, a tougher to cover than Gronk because Gronk was on the team as well, right? Yeah, because, because well, Gronk, you got to remember, I'm 225 pounds, right? So when I play, so for a smaller guy, like, yeah, that may be like having ball skills, being able to jump and stuff is my game. Like, so I want the ball to kind of go up and it be like a jumping match, even if you are six, seven, or us to be, be physical and do that type of like, Aaron's different because you're locked in in, a, in, a, in a, inside the box in a game where you're trying to be more physical with a bigger body, but he's turning it into a receiver versus cornerback thing. You know, you can't – if you're too physical, he's gone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, and then you're really – you know, and then if you're not physical enough, he's still 245, 250 pounds, and he's going to get a body on you. And now if he hits you and gets into that same route, it was just kind of like a – it was a lose-lose. It was tough. It was tough. Dudes used to miss the rep against him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was it was tough. It was tough. So, you know, and as far as the defense, you're dealing with 
you were dealing with both of the ends of the spectrum of a tight end, right? The dude that will muscle you and just go over you to catch the ball. And still, Gronk is a great route runner. Don't get me wrong. He understands, like, where he's supposed to be on the field and what spots to hit out of his breaks and all of that. But on the goal line, he'll he'll just muscle you, push you down, and, and go get it, you know? So you got that, and then you got a guy that'll mm, slant out of press coverage and beat you, you know, in Aaron Hernandez. So you had the, the two, and that's what made it so hard. And, like, you saw Bill was searching for that again, trying to get another – he was trying to add another tight end to do that, but that's it's tough to find, you know. These newer tight ends coming up, though, I think we're going to get to that. Like, that's what we're getting to is, like, he just was before his time. These tight ends are going to start doing that to where you could toss them the ball out the backfield and they'll make a play. <laughs> and, we're seeing, and we're seeing it now. I mean, like and like you kind of said, J.D., it's been kind of trending that way. Like, Delaney Walker was kind of a little bit of that. Like, like yeah. you said, they, they thought John Smith was going to be a lot like Hernandez. And obviously, I think he had injury bug last year, so there's still a chance they can do the uh, with the Hunter Henry and John. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy how these athletes are just lining up a tight end now. These uh, Not to say that the athletes – they weren't athletes before, J.D., course of course tight ends no, no, yeah, no. It's just they just they just doing different things like what's acceptable at the position is like widening you know instead of them saying you got to be built like this they're saying well no nah, you could be built like that we'll take that too and so now they're just expanding the position it's more people that are available to play the position and you know so um we're you're gonna see changes anytime you do that you're gonna start to see people doing things at the position that you haven't really seen before because it's more people Right. I, you know how wonderful that had been for me coming out of college to know something like that. Like, I, I remember when I, I came out, I was like 245, and my, my uh, coach was like, man, you got to you gotta gain weight. Like, you got to be, two, gotta be two, 260, 265 to play in the league. You know what I'm saying? It was always like, you got to get more weight on you to block the guys. Like, when I'm blocking a Reggie White or I'm blocking, you know, uh, like I said, Bruce Smith or somebody, Charles Haley, all those guys, uh, uh, Willie McGinnis, like you got to be, them jokes is, you know, 265. So you better have some lead in your tail. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hold on for dear life. If you don't, you're going to get thrown out the club. And then, you know, you get thrown out the club and you're going to get thrown off the team. So yep. that's how it works. Nah, that's good, yep. though. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's gonna be there's gonna be someone in this draft who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna be the guy this kind of Hernandez we're talking about. Um, so okay, so that leads us to the draft. Um, so obviously you guys you guys know with every draft there's always comes smoke screens and rumors and all that stuff. Um, so a big rumor that's been kind of uh, circulating for the last few days here uh, since yesterday really um, is that the Bears are looking to move off of Robert Quinn. They want a draft pick uh, for him. And obviously, you know, edge has been something that we've talked about, getting a veteran edge or maybe draft a rookie edge. Um, but this uh, Robert Quinn uh, has three years left on his contract, coming off an 18-and-a-half sack season, which I did not realize he had 18-and-a-half sacks last year. Insane. Um, so, yeah, he's he's got three years left on his deal, about $13 million a year uh, left on his three years. Um, and then James Bradbury, quarterback that we've been interested in for some time now, um, the Giants are looking to move him on draft weekend. Uh, and they're looking for anything between a fourth or a fifth round. It's been that's been kind of the number there. And then for Robert Quinn, apparently the number, the trade that would be able to do would be a third round pick. Some some are saying our 103rd pick. So the question uh, to you guys is: of the two veterans we're interested in, which of these 
would you want to pursue? And I, and I guess the question comes down to is, would you rather have a veteran edge and a rookie cornerback or a rookie edge and a, and a or no, rookie edge and, and a, um, a veteran cornerback or vice versa? So which one does it come down to as far as what, what, what this team needs? Uh, well, go ahead, J.D. All right. Well, uh, first off, I, I don't think the Bears are doing it. I, I, I don't, but they might. You know, I kind of looked on the, the news to check it out, and they, they were saying, like, now, nah, look, it, it may be a smoke screen, but we're, like, look, we're far away from doing this. Uh, but the, to answer your question, uh, man, that's, that's a really good question. Bradbury, for on this team, if you have a guy like him, okay, who's all pro corner, and because of what we, we're dealing with in our division, okay, I think that guy like that makes a lot of sense. And here's why, because he's a younger guy. You know, he's got a he's, he's got a lot of football ahead of him. And I think you can get a lot out of this guy because of, like I said, who you have to contend with. You got Devontae Adams, Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton, I mean, you got guys on the other side that we got to contend with, you know what I'm saying, week after week, not to mention who's in the AFC. And so we, we're thinking like, okay, if it's the same scenario. We had to go through Buffalo, then who you got at Buffalo you had to contend with. Then if you're talking about, you know, the you know the Bengals, we had to continue with, with the Bengals. And so you're thinking about long-term, you get a guy that's going to be able to lock these guys down, at least give, you know, I'm talking about being a physical type of guy that gives some, some, some great competition. You know, against these receivers. I mean, seriously, we just talked about Lamborghinis and whatnot. This is what we had to contend with in the NFL right now because these, these guys out there are out here willing to catch the football and they're going to throw them to them. The guys throwing the ball to them is, I mean, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, Derek Carr, uh, uh, Justin Herbert, you know what I mean? All these guys. So we, we know what we had to deal with in the AFC. And so when I'm thinking about that, why not get a guy like that here? Now, not saying anything about Robert Quinn. I had no idea he had 18 and a half sacks. I had no idea. But also what it tells me is kind of looking to it, he had other guys around him, though. You got to have other guys for him to get 18 and a half sacks. You know what I'm saying? Robert Quinn's kind of long, you know, long in the tooth. He's an older guy. Uh, can you get 18 and a half out of him this year? Don't know. I know. Look, I'm looking at his, his stats. He had two sacks the year before. So he was – Getting back healthy, I remember the past few years before that, he was certain. I think it's why Robert Quinn wasn't really, wasn't really paying attention to him. He was just a name that was kind of going from here, Cowboys, Rams, and different places like that. And he was kind of like here, he get hurt. And then, but then all of a sudden, he shows up with 18 and a half. So, hey, man, good for him. I don't know. It, it depends on what works for us, uh, uh, you know, realistically. As far as like what you're giving up, you get a third round pick for Robert Quinn. Maybe I don't know. Bradbury is going to cost us a little bit more, but that's that's my argument as far as like get a younger guy here that plays corner. Then you have to worry about it in the draft. You could, you know, at least uh, concentrate on other positions. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think the way I feel is, uh, I guess all things being equal, say say the Chiefs can't they can't move in the draft at all. Let's say they can't do that. Um, if they can't do that, uh, being that I think the team is so ready, like they're ready to win. It's not like they got to go out and, you know, 
get the the youngest dude with the most potential. I mean, they need somebody to come in and, and, and that can play right now. So all things being equal, if they can't move, I say you rather have a veteran corner, you know, right? Uh, c- considering some of the plays that we gave up, you know, um, to end the season are due to not having a veteran out there in the secondary, you know, too. So just not saying that they solve every problem. I'm not saying that, but just, just the cohesiveness of a unit when you got people out there that are kind of talking before things happen. It's not a whole lot of mix up where guys get running one way and got to stop and try to go back another way to cover it. It don't happen as much when you, the more kind of, you know, veteran players you get that been in some high leverage situations that perform out there at a high level, they kind of get it together. You know, we get on the same page and you'll be able to talk to each other and we're not going to have these mistakes, you know? So, um, that's important. Then again, you know, with that being said, the dudes that are throwing these dudes the ball are a problem too, you know, so getting more pressure on them uh, is something you want to do. But I, th- I think the Chiefs can generate pressure and from where they draft can probably get somebody to help them add to that, a, a, a young dude that they can come in and, and probably just allow him to rush the passer, you know, put him in in situations where that's what he does. You know, at the end of the first round, you can do that. Now, if they able to get up there and get like any one of them, the you know, the corners like the kid from Washington, like McDuffie or, you know, obviously Stingley way up there, you know, Gardner way up there. If they could do that, yes, do that. Like, you know, because those type of guys, I don't care if they're young or not. Get those dudes, you know, get those dudes. As long as you know that they character is something that you can put them out there and they won't be a deer in headlights. They won't miss a blink because you can talk to you can talk to kids and tell how kind of their demeanor of how how, how they're going to accept the challenge of being like this professional athlete now, you know, and you could tell the guys that are going to step right in and and kind of just get to it. And then you can also kind of see sometime when there's going to be some apprehension, I, you know, uh, I didn't really like Booth as much at, at Clemson this year. Uh, to say, like, move picks to go get them, and, you know, if you could get a younger pass rusher and then make a trade, and you're saying they only want a fourth or a fifth for Bradbury, which is less than they want for Quinn, you know, you could do that where we're drafting without having to move much. You know, you move one pick, get you a veteran corner, still have that pick, you know, uh, the third-round pick and the pick at the end of the first to do some other things when you can get a, a edge rusher. But like I said, if you can move up to get one of those top corners, I would like I, I definitely. Well, I don't really see how that's possible. But if it was, I would. It's, it's, it's a premier position if you could get the if you can get a high level uh, talent at that position. You know, we were kind of talking about like, in the you know, we, last week we did a segment with the, uh, the draft. Right. And in the first round, I took a corner with the 29th pick. I took Elam, Gary Elam, uh, uh, from uh, from Florida. Yeah, Florida. You know, yeah, yeah. He, man, you know, physical guy. Uh, to me, that strategic thinking. What you want to do as far as like like to me, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if this is best guy available, you got to take a guy like that because you don't know what you're gonna get on the back end. I, look, I get. Look, everybody talks about oh well, you know, Beach has been able to do you know more with less getting guys later on, but that may not always be the best policy, you know, dealing with this. Like I said, especially if you're out here, you got, you know, Bugattis and all of this sitting around you, you know what I mean? Like, 
like you said, you don't know if the lights are too big for certain guys. Right. Uh, but guys that I know has been going against probably the best, like the SEC. Those guys that you know probably going against the best, like Jamar Chase, that you've seen him, you know, the year before that. Like, yeah, get a guy in here who's seen some things like that before, who's ready, who come in, step in. They already got that dog in them to go out there and compete. Uh, but I know that was it's kind of a little contention there. People didn't know with a corner. I'm like, look, man, we got to get somebody. Got to have a top guy. I mean, yeah, no, that, like, I mean, because we need that, and that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, I for sure say, like, I wouldn't care if the corner's young at all. If you move up there and get one of those top three dudes, like, man, that's that's huge on the other side of the ball. Having that over there is 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 bigger than people understand. Have having, I mean, it's. It's a dude that's like a movable object. That dude always over there. No matter what that offense wants to do, that dude is over there. Or wherever you send your guy, that guy is there. So whatever yeah. you want to do, you got to deal with him all day. And when you don't have that guy, offenses are a lot more. They free. They're free, oh, yeah. as in the how we want to run things. We don't need to scheme it up to get, you know, to certain spots on the field because anybody will do. We'll just do it on any of you guys, you know. But when you have that guy – now the coordinator staying up to figure out, all right, he's going to follow you. He's got to figure out how to work in a different space or how to scheme them up. That's fine. You want guys to do that every week. Like the going and getting another veteran pass rusher, I don't think will keep anybody up at night about the Chiefs. You know, uh, they know they're going to be able to work up some pressure anyway. I think where they're going to try to attack us is in the secondary, you know. Uh, and so if you if you can move any picks – you know, let it be for that, you know, for corner, you know, rather than trying to do edge rusher. You got a bunch of picks, man. You can get that figured out. You can get a pass, special, a pass rush specialist if that's what we want, you know. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because uh, I just always remember meetings when we would uh, do the scouting report and how coaches would talk about a corner. <laughs> like, oh, this guy right here, we're going to eat his lunch today. He's easy. They, look, such and such had – Six catches for 100-something yards getting him last week. We going for 10 for 200. It's just week in and week out. Like, you know, imagine when you got that dude out there that's really a guy. Then yeah. it's like, oh, man. You know, oh, you, can, you, can, you can stick your chest out and go attack him too, but that's how you make his money, you know. And so a coordinators finally go, you know what, let's – uh. Let's work something up on the other side because it ain't going too hot over there and I ain't going to lose my job. Keep testing this dude. But that's a major weapon for a defense. If oh, a team, when, when the Raiders had Namdi out there in press coverage, that's a major weapon for that defense. When the offense just said, you know what? Our reads are over here. When you right. snap the ball, read this side. Don't even look over there. Read this side. That's a major weapon. <laughs> we, we, we used to talk about prime like that all the time. This so happy to feel, he got. You know, <laughs> he, got, he got this side over here. So we're going to have to figure something out. Yeah. You know, we can keep testing this this water over here. We better not do it because it'll go the other way really well, yeah. quick. So, yeah. And I know that's how they had this game for Revis. So, that, I mean, that's a problem for a coordinator that I think he doesn't have to do as much for the end. Maybe you chip your back. Maybe you have to max protect a little bit, but you don't lose a lot of sleep. That Ooh. corner that's sudden shutting down the side of your field is a major problem. <laughs> you know, yes, maybe your top guy, your guy that you want to feature, you know, that's is right. now locked up in a matchup with a guy that you don't have a lot, a high percentage throwing at, you know, and so that's that's major. Especially when they everything's analytics now, so they know. They know how much that changes the game, having a guy that they don't really even – you don't even want guys to get thrown at, like Jalen Ramsey. That's good. 
The fact that they not even trying him means they are forgetting one part of their offense. That's good. If every time the offense line up, y'all working with one less wide out, y'all only got four eligibles, I'll take that. I'll pay a dude a lot of money to let your offense work with four eligibles every time. And that's why Jalen Ramsey getting paid that much. Because he right. take one, you know, he'll just take one and you go. Uh, 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 the analysis says this is a high probability this one's going to go the other way. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> exactly. They don't want to deal with that. Yeah. And as far as in, in this draft, I mean, I, I think it's deeper. I mean, it's it's a great draft for receiver, uh, DBs, and uh, edge rushers. So all of our needs, is, it's really in this draft. Um, but I think, to, to your point, you can find edge rushers. I, I think after the first few edge rushers, there's kind of like this range where you can get the same kind of guy grade-wise and based on the analysis I've read, you get the same kind of guy from picks 28 to picks, you know, uh, like 70. So for a while there's that, but there's a big drop off with quarterbacks where there's the first five and there's a little bit of a drop off and then, you know, and then the rest of the guys. So, yeah, I mean, like your the, the mock draft you had last week, the Kyir uh, Elam, I, I think if he's there at 29, I think why not you go him and you, you and you go, um, with the edge rusher with the 30th pick or best receiver available with the 30th pick. I mean, yeah. And look, I'm going to say this because reality is like we were just talking about the game changing to being a more passing league. It's the same thing. You're going to have better pass rushes because that's all you want a guy to do, right? Because they're dropping back now 40 or 50 times a game. And so guys are going to specialize in going to go get the football. And so, like, look, the drop off, like you said, look, if this guy can still rush and get pressure on the guy, Cool, we could we could live with that all day long. I think you know getting enough guys here for the rotation is where we need to kind of like plant our flag at too. You know what I mean? Because I think it was part of our problem because we just didn't really have we get pressure, but then all of a sudden, like the next guys that were coming in, wasn't really generating that pressure like like you really wanted. And that that was that was an issue. That was a problem. Well, yeah, with the. With, with, with corner, kind of what I was talking about, like, I, I definitely like if you want to move any picks, let it be to try to move up to get like one of those top corners, you know, uh, yeah. you know, maybe if you can't even get because if you can't get probably inside the top 10, you can't get Stingley anymore and Gardner probably be gone before him. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, there's still McDuffie, there still is Booth there, you know, like in all the talents there and footwork, you know, and all that stuff. So you just got to see. I just didn't like how he how he held up as much, you know, when he, when he was, when he was the man, you know, uh, that was my only concern there, which is kind of like one of the things that I say, you want to, you want to kind of see that, like, you know, you, when you're the guy, like what, what should, what can we kind of expect, you know, from, from you week in and week out. And, you know, it wasn't the, the greatest, you know, it wasn't, it also wasn't horrible either, but, you know, uh, so, Corner, I would say stay there. As far as the edge rushers, like I was saying with the, the guys who specialize in, in, in rushing the passer and stuff like that, I mean, as a scout, there's a bunch of stuff that they can go. You, these teams get private workouts, man. Like, you know, I could have a dude out here that's, that's been rushing the passer, you know, might be a little bit on the smaller side. Man, I can have this dude out here dropping curl to flat, seeing how he's playing the ball and all this stuff. Now I got a dude I can run these exotic zone blitzes with, and these people was overlooking this kid. This kid could yeah. catch the ball. He dropping out here curl to flat. He could break on the curl. He going in the flat route. I got him breaking down. I can use that, and I can get that later because nobody else knows that. 
because he just been running around the tackle going to do this. And they might not realize that this kid can do all this other stuff. Well, that's how you can find a guy and get like you, this guy who they, some of these guys, they might start as a gadget guy and end up being a hundred million dollar dude one day, you know, because that type of stuff, especially the way the game is going, you know, but I think it's easier to find that guy than to go work out a corner and see something that you just had missed. You know That's what I'm right. saying? Like you, 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 you're not really going to just see something with a corner that you just missed. Like, you know, right. it, it shows up no matter who they're guarding. They could be playing at wherever they playing at, you know, uh, Wyoming, Grand Valley, Canyon State. You know, they could be playing there. And when they line up, there's certain things that they do that you're going to see no matter who they're guarding. You're going to be like, oh, man, this dude – Look how quick he is out of his pedal off the ball. Like you, you could just see things. Like you, it doesn't matter where they are. An edge rusher could be different because some of these dudes, what they do is just get after the quarterback. And some of their game, you don't even get to see it. You don't know that you could line the dude up at outside linebacker for real, you know, and do some things with him. And that makes them way more valuable when you start getting the third down and stuff. And now the offense goes, well, Dang, we don't know where the blitz may come from because that dude with his with his uh with his uh, in that two point stance on the edge could possibly be part of the coverage, or he's coming. He's yeah. either screaming off that edge, or he could be part of the coverage. But it's one more thing for the quarterback to need to see, like you know what I mean, and figure out. And I think you can find those guys later than those top tier guys like that that you want to do that with kind of from these top tier schools everybody knows about the guys the the everybody knows about the pass rushers that run the four fours and they went to you know the georgias and the texas a&ms they gonna find them you know they cost a lot but you know you can find guys with that same athleticism and same ability uh uh really like they're just their 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 skill level their coordination level their 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 ball skills uh, that's big, man. Any player, give me a player with some ball skills. I don't care if he played D tackle. I like it. If he 350 and he catch the ball and stuff, I like that better than a dude that can't. Like, it's just, it's good. It's good. Like, it's, you know, their coordination is on a level that's, that's better than people that can't do that type of stuff. Now, this conversation kind of ties into our, our next topic. Uh, so, uh, with, with rumors and the smoke screens that be going on, so today, uh, it doubled down. So, yesterday, Albert Bree reported that the Chiefs are trying to trade up, talking to teams to get into the 20s. Um, and then uh, today, doubled down. Uh, Jeff Darlington on ESPN said that he knows for a fact that the Chiefs are going to make a trade tomorrow. Um, it does. It, it it might be for a point where we go to the 20s and then make another trade to get into the teens. So, to see, to see what's going on there. Now, Every person who's mocked this out has said if the Chiefs are going to trade up, it's going to be for a receiver, right? Every one of it's not. It hasn't been to go to go get a cornerback. It hasn't been to go get an edge rusher. It's always been a receiver. Now, I guess two two part question here. One is if we are going to trade up to get a player, are you guys okay with it being a receiver? I guess it depends who it is. Um, but now. Um, or, and something I've seen a lot of Chief fans pissed off that we are even thinking about trading up to get a receiver. They want to stand pat with our picks because we have 12 picks. There's no point in trading a first, our 30th first, and then our third round to go up for, let's say, Jameson Williams, a, a, a receiver. They want to keep the amount of draft capital we have because we can, you know, use those picks to get 
a, a couple edge rushers and maybe a couple cornerbacks instead of packaging two to go get one receiver, which may not be as much of a need as, you know, as, as other positions. So what, 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 what's, what are, what are your thoughts on those, uh, on that question there? You know what? Uh, it, it all depends on what, you, what you're really giving up. If we get in the first two rounds and move up to, to get a receiver, I wouldn't do it. I, I, it wouldn't be me out at all. But if that was the scenario, uh, would I be mad at a receiver? If you're going to go get, uh, you know, uh, Williams, Alave, I can see. Uh, London, like one of those guys, it has to be one of those top guys if you're going to do it, okay? Wide receiver, that, that's that's the bottom line. Uh, same thing with defensive end. You know, we're talking about uh, Johnson. You know, from uh, Florida State, could definitely be one to move up for. I mean, if you're not getting uh, Hutchinson or, or what's say uh, the dude Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know what else you're doing. So I, that move up, it would have to be something like that. But if it's going to cost you a whole lot to move up that far, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, you know, hold your picks off for for other things you can possibly do. And we know the thing is wide receiver class is deep. It really is. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there that's got a lot, like great hands, run great routes, real athletic, have ball skills, could come out and, and play and start. You're going to start seeing these guys going off the board in the first and second rounds. You're going to really, like I'm telling you, it's going to be an absolute like fire sale. Like wide receivers just going. And, and teams need them. Teams need wide receivers. They do. Because now they, what they're seeing is all these other wide receivers with these new contracts are getting they shoot they paying out of market. We we, we we want one of these these suckers right over here for the you know for the bargain uh, price. They they, cost you know what I mean? Million. Come on, bro. Come on. Million. <laughs> yeah, teams are like, look, we looking for something. Let's let's go all use this up, utilize it for this amount of time. Get a rookie contract. After that happens, let them go for the big contract. See you later. We will look for the next dude. I mean, to me, that's what makes sense. So, you know, that's a whole different conversation, you know, with the whole market, what it's going to do. Uh, but I just think, man, my wide receiver, if you do ask, got to be one of the, the top guys, wide receiver, in top three defensive ends. Other than that, it don't make any sense to move up. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's funny that we're talking, that they're talking about wide receiver because uh... – like like I say, I, I I feel like I feel like corner, but the the one guy that I do like if they get to the teens is Olave. Like I I feel like I feel like that's that's the type of player that I'm talking about when I talk about the end that can do everything. This dude that can rush the passer, drop in the zone, catch the ball there if he got to make an interception, strip the ball from the quarterback, pick it up, running in for a TD. A dude that can just shift them back off the ball, make them read, run pass like. That's on the defensive end. Olave is a dude like that at receiver that you could do that with. Line him up at running back. You could do whatever with that dude. Just get him the ball, get him in the space, give him a game plan to let him go out there and play football. So I really do like the him playing with Mahomes. Like that, that'd be that's great. Like, like uh, like JD said, like it's a dude that might end up costing a hundred million dollars down the road, but you get him for them first four or five years, just you know to be able to be that weapon. So I, I do like him a lot. Uh, although I think that a, a veteran corner will really help them a lot more on the other side of the ball. Cause I think Mahomes can make some people better too, you know? Um, but I really do like Olave. Uh, the second thing I'll say though, on 
when I talk about those guys, what I think Olave could do in that offense and how many different things I think, you know, how he creates the problem for the defense because he can attack you so many ways. I also think that sometimes a lot of guys that can do that type of stuff, like can do, there's a bunch of things that they can do well, tend to get drafted lower. Some of them, some of them kind of specialize, like for example, like, like Edelman or something who was a quarterback. Right. Or guys are doing something in an offense where you never really got to see that they had that type of ability to like, whoa, they can change the game in like different ways. They never really got that opportunity to do it, but they have the ability to, you know, maybe they maybe they maybe they can run. They can run the lights out and they and they played at some smaller school or even a bigger school and the offense had them running seam routes and beating people on seam routes all the time. And you never really got to see that how much they could actually run a real route, you know, go get in and out of breaks out the slide, catch the football, throw hitch screens to them and then make plays in the open field. Cause you just saw them running straight, running by people a lot. But, you know, I think what happens is guys that kind of get locked into a box are like good for some of these NFL teams. If they find them and they scout them properly, because other people don't see the same thing that you see when you get to get your hands on them and get to kind of say, all right, it's more to this guy than what I saw in the box that they had him doing, you know? And uh, I think you can do that as well with receiver, especially when you got Mahomes. Like, you know, you don't need Jamar Chase, who Jamar Chase, no matter who his quarterback is, he coming out and getting open. You know, you don't need that guy, though, with Mahomes. Because Jamar Jamar Chase is like a dude that walk on the hoop court and he just a bucket. That dude is getting open. Like that dude footwork is crazy. Like he he's getting open, you know, but we're not moving up that high to be doing that, you know, getting a dude like that. But Alave is very good. So I would say if they getting up in the teens to get anybody, that's like a perfect fit for their offense. And I could I could see Andy Reid really wanting to move some things to go get him too. Like that's a guy I could really see him wanting to say, if I get him here, I want to call these plays with this kid here you know, uh, in my offense for the next five years. See, and, and I think that that kind of goes to the point, man. You're making a great point. And uh, it's why I, I don't know why people really can't see it. And look, I understand everybody has their favorites, right? But like when I'm looking at guys that ability, you know, athletic ability, what you can do. Uh, one guy I was high on, you know, he might be a second round pick, but I haven't been talking about was Christian Watts. I, I talked about him. Khalil Shakur is another guy that, that you know, has a lot of, uh, Talent could do a lot of different things, has a lot of ball skills. Mm-hmm. And with, with geniuses like Andy and the uh, uh, enemy and all those guys can put together, not to mention Patrick, like I think people not realizing, like you have a star quarterback to get the ball to anybody that's out there, right? <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm saying? So he, he can make a guy better. He can definitely make a guy better. I, look, look, if a guy – can't separate. He can't get open. That's his fault. Now, you understand the limits to those guys. But when I'm seeing these guys like in this draft that has this ability, I think it's more so like, hey, getting a guy that fits the system because our system is going to be able to utilize him for the thing. Like you said, bubble screens, you know, hand the ball off, jet sweeps, like all the things that 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 Hill was able to do. You get a guy like they'll find a guy that can do the same thing. Right. They're going to find a guy. Mm-hmm. OK. Hey, he might not be, you know, Tyree $30 million a year good, but he's going to give you enough because we still got the best tight end, the best quarterback. We have one of the greatest lines in here. 
we gonna be all right. I always like I always go back to that. Like all the time, I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, why is like everybody's like you said in this box of getting a guy? But that kind of brings me to kind of talking about and then and Marcus has been high on, on Burks. Okay, he's been high on Burks. Now I've actually I've been listening to Marcus, man. I've been checking his stuff out. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm gonna see why Marcus is really high on Burks. And I like him. He has big hands, but we've only seen him in a particular offense. We only seen him go for the deep balls and stuff, right? And they, you know, sometimes, like you said, if the offense is not geared to for a guy to run certain things, they just don't run it because it's not really the offensive scheme. And so the same thing, like when you look at certain guys, if he gets in an offense with uh, somebody who, who would utilize it, like, look, we're gonna utilize you like this, right? <laughs> we're gonna utilize you like deep, but we're gonna utilize you like this. Guys are like, man, hey, you know what? Open up the playbook. I'm I'm all for it. But guys, you know, are limited to certain things. Like, I ain't gonna ask like a little bitty guy to try to be Debo. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna ask him to do that. I ain't ask you to go out here and play X. If you, you know, you five, five, eight, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to do that all the time. So it's just I, I just see a lot more kind of a variety of guys that can do a whole lot of things, especially in this offense, that would do well, that we could find in the second round. Dobbs, I mean, I got names. I'm, I'm, man, I could go through them. Like, I'm sitting there like, man, this dude would be great. This dude would be, be wonderful. We get a lot of day maybe in the first round, and I love a lot of day. And, and the guy in the second or third, we could get like a Dobbs or something. Man, they talk about Alex Pierce, the dude from UCLA. What's his name? The, uh, the, the other receiver. Like you said, like an Edelman type of dude. I mean, it's guys all over the place. They're, you know what I mean? They're all over the place. But I don't know, man. I, I had to just kind of talk about this because I just heard so much, like, you know this. This that the talk has been out here, and everybody's just in this box, the guys. And I'm just like, yeah. Man. I mean, I think it's 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 really the job, like I said, of the scouting, you know, department to kind of identify guys that you see with a certain level of talent where you see them at, you know. And then you gotta actually a lot of times with some of the workouts that you get, what you're gonna find out is like who has a little bit more to them out of these guys, right? You know what I'm saying? Who has something that we can do that people just don't, they ain't got to it yet, you know? And that's what you're looking for. So you got to have a specific plan, though, in mind. Like, we're looking for a guy to be able to do this. One of these guys that we want, that we know can do X, Y, and Z, we want to be able to do A, B, and C also, though. So we're going into workouts with the idea that we're going to figure out who also can do this, because we know they do the other stuff, you know? And when you do that think you'll identify the guy that has the most value right there you know mm-hmm. or if you say man i don't think other people really see that and maybe we can mm-hmm. we can hold off we can get another guy right there because we can get this guy later but to us yeah they could take three other guys before this dude and we don't lose anything because this dude is better we think than those right. three guys because he can do something that we don't think that they understand or they may not want to. So they didn't even they didn't even scout him with the idea in mind that we got in mind. You know, so I remember when I was coming out, the 49ers had me out there working out at H-back to play tight end because they sent my ball skills and I could jump and all that. But they had an idea like yeah, you know what I mean? right, that right. nobody else really had. But that's the type of stuff I'm talking about, like seeing that. Oh, OK. This player does this, whatever. I play baseball too. We're gonna go. We're gonna come from a different approach. We want to see if we can get a dude that understands that to do this also. And now we got something different, you know. And I felt like they did that with Delaney. They took a receiver and said, "No, no, no. 
we're gonna get you this H back, this hybrid tight end, and that's that's what we're gonna do with you. And they did that with Delaney. Um, so that, I thought that was a uh, that was real cool that you brought up Delaney because that's a that's a friend of mine. Uh, when we were talking about the tight ends earlier, and and he definitely is one of the ones that kind of you know. He really made that kind of small hybrid role. He he got it. He he got it popping with it. He went to the Pro Bowl and stuff with that, and that was that was cool. Well, so he was he was a, he was a receiver before they moved into the tight end. In college, he, in college, he went to uh, what Central Missouri State. He was just a big receiver. You know, he's six oh, one, like two thirty at lined up at receiver in college. And so wow. uh, the 49ers, okay. the same way, just like what it was like a year before, had worked me out at H-back. They like, this dude is a receiver. So they had clearly been looking to go to that type of this dude that can attack and be a threat in the pass game from our yeah. tight end position. And they got him. And that's what they used Delaney for. They say he has the size, you know. Don't need much blocking in that role. You yeah. know, just, you know, he's strong enough to hold your own a little bit. But – where you're most dangerous, how you hurting people is us releasing you. We ain't trying to keep you in or run at you. We're going to run away from you. Can you hold right. that D end right. off? Like, as long as you hold the D end off from crashing this run and making it a problem, we good. We're going to go the other way. Just get in his way. Yeah. Hey, just exactly. get in his way. Just, 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 don't let him kill nobody. Just get in his way. Exactly. So. <laughs> the, the one thing um, going to the draft uh, this weekend, um, and – if we if we did trade up for Olave, I I love that. Uh, last week on our show, I mentioned that I talked to I do a 76ers podcast with Eric Snow. His son Darius Snow is a safety at Michigan State, and I asked him. I was like, who, "Who's uh, of all the receivers in this draft class? Who, who are your favorite receivers?" He said, "All uh, both Ohio State receivers." He said, "You can rank them one or two." He goes, "But both are awesome. Both are the best receivers in the draft." Um, and Sorry. you know, he played against uh, Jahan Dotson last year as well, and he, and he didn't mention him, but. Jahan Dotson's another one that, you know, I've seen him go from either uh, mid first to, you know, second round. So we could get him too. And I, I'd be happy with that. So it's, it's just so deep. It's so deep at receiver. So, um, but the, the, uh, an argument to be made for to not trade, you know, two more, maybe a first and a third to move up or mo- both first is that this is something that just jumped out to me today. We only have one defensive tackle uh, on our team next year. Chris, Chris Jones is the only one on our team next year. McCall Hardman uh, is, is gone, and the only receiver we're going to have on the team next year, as of right now, is MVS. All the receivers are gone, so like that. These are these are cases to be made where you need these 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 pick these two picks that we have uh, in the first, second, third, and fourth. And we need these picks to, to be able to get the guys to fill up a roster for next year. I know it's I think in long term, but the fact that we only have one receiver in net on, on our team next year, one D tackle. It's just you know it's kind of, it's kind of scary in a way, and, and this year we have this draft capital to try to you know fill those needs that we're going to have going forward. But you know it's year by year. I, so. I, I see that point, but dude, I'm, I'm thinking, look, you got to draft every year, and it's going to be look, there's going to be receivers every single year because now there's a passing league. It's just got there's going to be better receivers because that's what you're doing. That's how I look at it. And I say that you you don't get a guy. I'm saying to get a, another wide receiver that's opposite MBS, right? Hey, you know what? It might work out with Juju. You know what I'm saying? McCole, it might work out with him. We, we don't know. And so maybe Juju doesn't hit you over the head for $20 million. You know what I'm saying? Juju, like, look, I might go ahead and just do, you know, the 10 or 12 or something like that for a few years if we win in championships. Like, to me, that makes sense. And so I, I get putting the guy in, but I don't want to take away from the talent that's coming in the very next year, right? Because as long as you got 15 back there throwing the ball to you, Hey, we set that like that's 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 who you want. 
That's who you bring. You, you, you pull around that guy. And so 15 is going to get the ball to those guys who's out there uh, in the system. That's how I look at it. And so if 15 is here and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, hey, man, you, you, could, you could bring somebody who got some talent, like Jerry said, who's got the skill set, who'll get the ball. He got separation. He could get open. It'll work. Well, I mean, you could be you could be backside, you know, with the ball on the far hash. There's no way he there's nowhere he can't throw it, which makes it easy to game plan. Right. Because they game plan routes that take place. You know, (laughs) the real part of the route might take place 15 yards down the field backside, you know, and Mahomes can stop and put the ball out there, you know, so it makes it makes it easier to scheme up. But I mean, as far as D tackles, though, I was seeing like in these mock drafts like i see a lot of them still got jordan davis there in the teens and i wouldn't mind having no 6'6 250 pound dude in the middle like you 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 can never go wrong with those type of dudes like it that that dude that pushes the pocket in the middle you can never go wrong with with those type of dude and his athleticism says that he'll probably get better at that as, as he becomes a pro and really gets to learn how to do it you know he'll probably get better at getting to that passer, but just that body, man, that's a dude that we automatic double team. Like you, you it's, it's, it's not even, it's not even a question that his rookie year, they're going to have to double him. And if he could really be what his athleticism shows that he can be, they're going to have to double him and throw a little something on him, you know, from the backside as they get off, you know, cause dude will be a problem. So, um, I know if they do go up there, if 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 Olave's there, they they probably want that. But it, it's something to be said for having you know six six two fifty running a four seven in the middle of your defensive line uh, for the next five years. You know um, that helps a lot. You know, yeah. and even it's even helps Frank Clark because you want to push things out there to your fast DNs that'll that'll beat a tackle off the edge who the tackle is, well, all he's trying to do is run them around the pocket, you know, but when there is no pocket, that quarterback ends up right there in that path that that tackle wants to keep, you know, that, that DN rushing, he wants to keep him on that path. The quarterback ends up there, you know, so, you know, there, there's something to be said for that too. I know that don't, that ain't uh I, that definitely ain't what I know the fans want to see somebody trade up and then buy that, get a, get a deep tackle. They don't want to see that, but, I mean, you know, every, everybody's happy when, you know, you're in the playoffs and you're a favorite for the Super Bowl and you, you you about to go contend for a championship. So just, you know, obviously that's what the GM's thinking about. They can't worry about what everybody's saying. If that's the player he thinks that he needs to go get, then that's how you're rolling. And if your organization ain't running like that, then it's a problem anyway. If they listening to the fans like, oh, man, we kind of got to – I don't know if we want to get this dude because, man, they not – it's not right. Listen, whatever plan you got, do that. I don't care what Twitter says and, and what, you know, everybody else says. Like, you, if you put in the hours and you went out there and you scouted these dudes and you did your work and you done brought them in for private workouts and you saw what you saw, do what you need to do. You know, and I feel like the Chiefs work that way, though. They, the way they make moves, they, they very deliberate. I don't think, you know, Andy Reid is – he ain't getting caught up in all of that. He 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 understands what he's been in the league a long time. He knows what he's looking for. He sees when he sees it, he knows it. That is what he wants. And he, you know, I'm sure he's speaking up and he wants what he wants. You know. And, well, you, you look at how they how many times, you know, the fans when they somebody gets drafted, they boo, 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 and the sucking turns out. <laughs> he gets a little hat, puts the hat on. 
You see, Steph Curry brought us this championship, the Warriors, in uh in 2015. And and I'm a Warrior fan back. I grew up, I'm from Oakland, right? So I've been a Warrior fan, and Monte Ellis was there, and I love Monte Ellis. He was a fan favorite. Yeah, man. I like Oakland love Monte Ellis, man. Yeah. And then we draft Steph Curry. I said, man, come on, man. We already got Monte. Boy, I ain't never been so wrong in my I mean, not that I said he wasn't gonna be good, but I was upset though. You know, I right. said, oh, so what that means for Monte? Well, we're gonna play two small guards. Like, nah, Monte gotta go. This dude right here. But you know, like I said, whatever Bob Meyer saw, do that because the fans gonna they emotional and they they haven't done as much of the research as you've done. So if you've done that, then act on what you've done. And I, I feel like the organizations that aren't as prepared act on a lot of pressure more so, you know, the organizations who, you know, and there are, there are organizations, I ain't gonna throw nobody under the bus, but there's organizations out there that move a certain way that you like, how do they keep getting certain pay? How they keep missing like this? Well, they not too many people is copying what the next guy thinks, right? You know, oh, you think he, what, what do you think about him? Okay. Yeah. This, this, it's too many same reports, you know, how you want to, you don't want to see the same thing that everybody else sees unless it is that. So it means you always got to check out the details with your own eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody could be sitting next to you saying, oh yeah, this dude does that. And you'll sit there and watch the whole game with this person who's saying all this and be like, I haven't seen what they're saying. What? This dude's footwork has been terrible. And the same scout next to me is saying all these things he does. This guy, see, don't follow that guy because you'll be drafting the same people that they drafted, you know? And there's a lot of those people who copy and paste so what, yes. what yes. you show me, though, by getting the talent that they'll get like lower in the draft is that they're not doing that. They, they're not sending scouts out. And you saw it with the Bengals this year, just where you need to fill in on your team. They're not sending people out to just copy and paste reports. They sending people out to find players and make your individual assessment based on what we need to do. Don't copy and paste. Look at it with your own eyes. See what you see and come back. And we're going to put that down and then we'll go from there. And that's and I, I feel like they run that way. And so I, I feel like I can trust, you know, the moves that they're going to make, you know. But that, that's, that's what you pay the scouts for. It's what you right. pay for all those, the, you know, those sleeping long nights. and all. That's what all of that is for. So sometimes when I'm hearing, you know, somebody makes up the mock draft. And, oh, this is what I don't know. Shoot, I don't know who, who Shannon Sharp thought his mic drive. I'm like, oh, okay, Shannon ain't doing. Yeah, he, he preparing for the TV show, not the NFL draft. Yeah. <laughs> right, come on, man. Yeah, you don't have the resources. I don't have the resources. I'm just right. going by what I, I know for playing football. I'm looking at my eyes, you know, from being a, a coach, what I think would work, and I'm, I'm I'm doing it like that. But you know, everybody, man, that's why I'm like, man, look, I'm waiting for this sucker to be over, you know. So we can just go ahead and move on. Opinion. Yeah, you I'm done with my opinion. No <laughs> right. So you give your opinion on what already happened. Right, right. I'm there. I'm going to do what I'm do. So. Well, and it's funny, too, to see how many, how many of these experts out there think they know a lot about football. It's like, 
Mike Florio, pro football talk, um, he had a mock draft and he had the Chiefs getting a guard in the first round. It's like, do you not watch? Did you, you must not watch Chiefs football to say we need, we need to draft a guard. I mean, it's not, that's, the, that's the least of our worries. That's not something we would do in the first round. So you got guys who, you know, who think they know what they're talking about and they come out with these mock drafts like, okay, please, not another one. Um, but no, it's interesting. It's it's our first, uh, doing research yesterday, it's our first uh, draft where we've had two first round picks. Since 2008, where we drafted Glenn Dorsey and traded back into the draft to get Brandon Albert. So, um, first first one uh, since 08. So, uh, and that, that was a great draft. That was a, a draft we got Charles. Um, I think Brandon Flowers is also in that draft, I believe. I think so. Uh, but great draft. Um, okay, so um, final uh, topic today. We kind of addressed it at the beginning, uh, but uh, – Obviously, draft weekend, uh, a moment that changed, you know, your guys' lives forever. Um, so, I, I guess we always hear people talk about the draft day experience. I kind of want to know, uh, what was your your guys' draft day experience like? Uh, where, where were you guys? Uh, what did you guys feel when uh, you finally got that call coming? Obviously, J.D., you, you were a second-round pick, and Jared, you were a seventh-round pick. So, obviously, you know, two different experiences uh, of the draft for you guys. So, I, I'm very curious to see, hear how, um, how, these, uh, how this weekend was for you guys. Hmm. Well, I tell you what. Uh, like I said, it was nerve wracking because you know you're hearing a lot of different stuff. And, you know, back then, I mean, you know, you didn't have the you know social media like you wanted to. I mean, you got way by the phone. You know, you get a page. You know, what I'm saying something like that. It was that's how everything was coming in. And I just remember just a lot of talk. You know, with my agent, my family being up around me. Uh, but I, I got a couple of calls, man, in the first round. And so I was kind of protected first round, maybe second round. I was actually third tight end taken overall. Uh, and so I remember when when Philly called me in the first round, I thought he was going to take me there. And I knew other teams that I visited, you know, was kind of in that process. Well, Philly ended up taking me second round. I called him was like, look, kind of, you know, explanation what, what happened, what went on. And so we talked about it. But I was I was kind of pissed, so I enjoyed it. But I wouldn't really I didn't enjoy this much because I had expectations. And I remember when I got drafted, I was sitting on the back of my agent's uh, uh, on his porch, and I was just sitting there. And I was just like, man, you know what? I'm gonna make every team pay that didn't draft me. So I ended up making all rookie team. You know, I had a, a great season my rookie year. But the whole process in itself, man, is just is just nerve-wracking but it was great for my family to be there i was so happy like when i went in and seen everybody's faces and how elated they were for me that made me feel good because i i, I you know it was uh, you know accomplished something that i wanted to accomplish but more so i had my family that loved the people i love was around me uh and that was that was pretty much it man so i that was it was it was it was really a great weekend but like i said man it was a haze all through that time at that moment after getting drafted, it was like, okay, everything's just moving so fast. And it was just like, wait a minute, what? Huh? I was on a plane to Philly, and next thing you know, we, you know, we're already doing the the, 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 the practicing, already getting you sized up, you know, media things, all of that is just is just rolling. But it was good, it was a good time, man. I, all I have to say to these guys coming in is enjoy the process. Enjoy it as much as possible, you know, because it's a one time, one thing only that will happen to you. And it's one of the greatest things that could ever happen for a young guy and their family. So it's good. Yeah. For, uh, for me, I mean, if you thought you were upset, man, I, whew, 
<laughs> well, because I, I, I had heard everything from third round on, you know, and then, uh, you know, obviously I'm sitting around and that didn't happen. And then I'm sitting around the second day. So at this point, you know, I'm, I'm pissed off. I really I don't really know what I thought at that point. I really didn't care if I got drafted or anything at the point where I was at the 227 where I got drafted. So it was like uh, the Chiefs called me and they told me they were picking me. And I was kind of like, all right, like <laughs> when, 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 am, when do I got to come? Like when, when am I got, when I got to be there? Cause my mindset was like F, F y'all and F every other team that didn't pick me. I mean, you know how I came, showed up. Like I don't, man, I ain't like, I'm thinking like, I don't even like y'all. Like you calling me, telling me you drafted me, and I don't even like y'all picked the safety in the second round. And Bernard, one of my best friends to this day, but I'm sitting there right. thinking like, y'all, you calling you happy and stuff, and I ain't matching that. I'm not happy. Right. And they put my college coach Embry was there, and you know he he talked to me. Hey man, you know I said man, I'm, I'll be there. You could believe that that I'll be there, but that's it. I don't really have a lot of, and I ain't that happy. None of that. You know what I mean? I was told him. That's how I when I told him. You know, uh, and and for me, I was just like, you know what? Let's see what happened in this baseball draft because you know, I don't, this SHIT right here is ridiculous. You know, and then I ended up going in the seventh round in the baseball draft, which is high. You know, so kind of what I thought was like, you know, well, I'm going to this camp to KC just to let these cats know I ain't no damn seventh round pick. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, I was coming there for that. Like, you know, yeah. I got something to prove. I ain't worried about nothing. Like, I, I'm coming in here. I'm, I'm I'm about to do some of the stuff I ain't even doing in college, but I was free now. Like, I, you know, I was so upset about what had happened. I didn't care about what the consequences were for jumping this route that Dante Hall is running down the sideline. If I'm wrong, I'm going. If I think right. he's throwing it, I'm going. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's yeah. how I showed up in uh, – you know, it paid off. I end up, long story short, you know, I end up not signing with the Angels because they didn't really match what I, you know, wanted. And, you know, I ended up being able to start that year. But, yeah, that it was life changing. Um, and that would be cliche. I ain't going to say I wouldn't trade it because I definitely would have traded being up there in the top picks because financially that would hit your pockets way better than that seventh round hit it. So, you know, and I ain't going right. to sit here and say people be like, oh, I wouldn't trade it for the man. Hey, listen, look, it would be a lot better if you're a first round pick. Okay. Don't, don't, yeah, yeah. don't sit here and say like, you know, you had to struggle. You could have been the same dude if you would have got that. But I will say that I never forgot that though. And it definitely was on every notebook I ever had. You know what I mean? I knew I was 228. I knew it was 227 cats that they thought was better than me. And 12, 13 of them were safeties. And I was watching all of them. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if they paid attention to me. I don't really care per se. I wasn't watching them in that I wanted them to struggle because some of those guys are are my friends. And I, I don't I never I never want someone not to do well. I want everybody to like ball but I'm just going to do better though. Like this competitiveness, it's like, it, it, drives, it helps me seeing you do well. It just helps me, you know, we yeah, are right. here, you it's know, right. it's not, yeah. I don't want to see you struggle though. I ain't going to watch the game and be like, Oh, I hope this dude like that's, that's hater stuff. And there's people out there like that, but that's nah, like you can to top level yeah. so you could compete. Huh? Right. No, I look, I, and that was the same way. That's exactly how I felt, too. I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm going to make every single team pay. And when I went in, I had a chip on my shoulder. So any little doubt, whatever it was, I was going to make sure I was going to make sure that wasn't going to 
everyone going to fly with me. I was going to make sure I was going to make everybody wrong, whatever it was. He didn't do this or whatever. Now, everyone going to be JD. I, I don't care. And like I said, I'm going to make sure the teams that pass me up when we see against you this year, watch what I bought. Watch what I, watch what I do when I get that chance and opportunity. When you exactly. come and shake my hand, I'm like, hey, you could have had me. You could have had this. could have yeah. had that, though. But, yeah, I mean, you know, some of them dudes, I didn't even want to shake their hands, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some of the dudes that talked to me and I knew they told me, you know, it was like, because when I came out, some of the stuff was like, oh, he's big. You don't know if he's move. I, I ain't met a dude my first four years in the league I couldn't cover. I might have been 230 pounds, but I ain't never been. There's never been a guy lined up again that I'm like, oh, I can't cover. Now, about year five after I tore that calf and everything, it started, it started being hard that big and still moving like that, you know. But before yeah, that, yeah. Man, right. like, it, you know, because the corners used to be like, man, how you, I used to play corner and practice sometime in KC. Is there yeah. Maybe you used yeah. to let me yeah. play corner. Like, I'm like, whatever y'all thought, I was one of those players that was asked to play strong safety in college because of my size. He ain't even know my ball. I'm a center fielder, dude. Like, you know, drafted in the seventh round. I could go get this ball. I could do all of that. But they don't really allow me to do it like that. So I can't show it. You know, I can show it sometimes in zero coverage when I get to cover this dude and pick off something, you know. But picks in man-to-man coverage are harder, you know, because yeah, yeah, the quarterback yeah. makes a bad throw when you're in man-to-man coverage. Well, a good throw for offense because he makes sure you can't get it or his receiver can't get it. So it's just an incompletion, you know. And so, you know, that was the stuff that I was so upset about. I'm like, you know, a lot of this stuff has been overlooked, but that's fine, though. You know, now – I'm going to be asked to do it. So now they about to see that I can do it because now it's going to be part of my responsibilities. They're going to say, line up in the slot. And I end up playing nickel. Not only yeah. as a rookie 230-pound safety playing nickel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. that's impossible now. Like, with the way that, you know, oh, yeah. Tyreek's in there and, you know, like, yeah, no, nah, it's just not going to happen now. But, you know, I only I was dealing with, like, Ricky Prohl and stuff. Like, you know, and they, he's still a little small, dude. But I, y'all could do that. Man, Tyreek yeah, yeah. get in there in that slide two thirty, you gonna have a problem, you know. We, yeah, yeah, already. I'm I'm cut. Tell the safety right now. Just go over the top because I'm gonna jump something else. When he take off deep, I'm letting it go. Oh, <laughs> uh, you t- you was two thirty? I know you was two thirty. I was two thirty nine at the combine, man. So like my year, wow. my, my weight was with the Chiefs. I had to be two twenty five. So every week I had to be 225 or else, you know, I, I was always 225. So, you know, but yeah, at the combine, I was 239. 239. Wow. 239, man. You know, uh, and yeah, I played basically my entire career. I was 225. It was a couple times in there. I was probably 228, you know. Uh, but yeah, I played. That's that's the weight I played at. I mean, nowadays I probably could have played the hell out of some outside linebacker in this NFL. Yeah, yeah, I can. all the interceptions I would have got playing down there and being able to run through them gaps. But, like, yeah. you know, I was still a safety, you know, then. Now it's kind of like it's harder to have to move around at that rate for that long at that size. Like, you know, having it like when you play pass coverage these days, if your safety's 225, man, it's a lot of – it's a lot yeah. of these dudes taking the top off over and over – you know, routes that is making you move all around the field. And that's just a lot to ask from a dude that that weighs that much, you know, because yeah. normally the dudes that weigh about that much running around now on offense are the tight ends. 
and they gonna yeah. they gonna get them in and out though. They're receiving tight ends and make sure they fresh. You know, yeah. while you sitting over there covering the whole drive, you know, you don't want to sub because if they sub for you, clearly the best dude is not in there. So you need to suck it up. You got to stay. You can't cut. No, because I'm staying because th- why would I go? I can't go because if he come in here, it's not me. So, you know, that used to always I used to be tired and that would keep me going like I don't want my backup in here. That's the reason I got the job. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't want him to do it because I feel like I'm better. So if I got to tap out, I'm really, I need to come out. Something going on. Like, you know, hey, look, otherwise hey, you I'm know gonna get, I'm gonna get through it. You know, your backup's looking at yeah, hey coach, he tapping his helmet. Coach, he look, he tapping, I ain't, I ain't he doing tapping. that. Mm-mm. I'm 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 out here. I'm gonna I got this. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> I know that hit looked kind of hard, but I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here you said you said you 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 thought you were, you're going to go anywhere from third to seventh round, or third round on. So, were you watching the draft for the entirety? Um, part part of the beginning, but I did I did watch. Uh, I mean, I wasn't didn't really care too much about the first and second, you know, because I wasn't even looking there. But I was eager to see, you know, at the uh, end of the first to see what the Dolphins did because if they didn't draft the safety at the end of the first, it was like the team that liked me the most. Uh, and so uh, they drafted Jason Allen though at the end of the first round. So I was like, once they got him, that was kind of the team that I. That's the team I thought would, was going to take me in the third. But they told me they were that they liked Jason Allen, and if he because he got hurt, he was still there when they picked. You know, otherwise he would have been gone. But you know, he had blew his knee out in college and was having to come back, so he was still there. And he and they took him. So at that point. I just really didn't know. Like, I ain't Green Bay. Like, I hadn't even talked to Kansas City. So, I ain't, you know, I had no clue, uh, you know, that they were even in the mix. And like I said, once it passed a certain point, I ain't even care anymore. Like, I just knew that wherever I was going to go to play, I was going to for sure be there. And it wasn't going to be any limitations as far as on my mind as what I was there to do. Like, I wasn't going to be scared of nothing. I had already – that's what I knew. Once I got through and then the fifth round was going through, I said, okay. It was just like I was I was like I was through. I still watched it though, because I wanted to see them names go across. You know what I mean? I probably had a couple of tears in my eyes, you know. Uh, but I was like, that's okay. Wherever it is, you know, they gonna see. And then I was like, you know, and then I'll probably just bounce out of there and go play baseball, you know, just to let them know though. But then I didn't end up doing that. I did that seven years later. I did do that, but, you know, I didn't do it. I kind of thought that that's what I was going to do out of college, just go play baseball. Um, But, you know, it worked out how it worked out when I got to KC. And, you know, I saw an opportunity there that, you know, I decided to, you know, stick with. Who's up? I'm trying to think. Who's that quarterback that ended up going uh, baseball? But he was like a top. Uh, Drew Henson. Drew Henson. Oh, yes. Drew Henson. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Third baseman. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Drew was. I, I seen his story, and it was like, wow, okay. And he went baseball route, and ended up coming back. You know, to football. He said he wished it was almost the other way. He's like, man, I wish I went ahead and, and went football, as opposed yeah, to baseball. I mean, what I tell my son, like you know, just in case. He he don't he ain't started playing tackle football yet, but I didn't start till I was a freshman, so I ain't gonna let him start until you know then. Uh, 
But like I told him, when it comes down to it, like just just pick the one that you kind of love the most first that you that kind of holds the most. Because for me, that was baseball. So I never really like my entire NFL career was driven a lot off of my competitiveness, being that no matter what sport I play, no matter any time I go out there against people like I just want to win, like I want to be better want to come out being one of the best players. Like, that's just kind of how I – it don't matter what it is. Like, I'll work – even if I don't know how to play the game, I'll work at it and and try to get better than you, you know, and figure it out. Uh, and so a lot of it was driven by that and the fact that them dudes drafted me 228, like, which I never forgot. Like, it – it just every time I went to practice, like it was always there, like, you know, what I mean, like every time. And it was, you know, plenty of people come through the league over my my six years, you know, that were higher and this. And I just that was the challenge every time, like, you know, uh, to just keep doing it. Baseball, on the other hand, like I went back to play that, you know, after seven years. And that was just it wasn't for money or nothing. It was to try to make it to the major leagues because that's the sport like. I don't I don't even need motivation like, you know, what I mean, I could just go out here in my backyard and just, you know, go do that with my son. Like, you know, I don't need motivation. But for me to run around and try to knock your head off, I need something that gets me, you know, ready to do it. And for me in football, it was like competitiveness. Right. Because it's like this cat want to knock my head off. So I got something for him. You know, what I mean, and and. And if and if they are talking crazy, this is a sport right here. Well, I'll get right to it on the field. We don't have to wait. We ain't got to see me in the locker room. I'll get right to it. Next play, buddy. Like, you know, oh, oh yeah. OK, next play. We'll get back to that. You know, it's one of those sports where you can do that. The other sports, you know, you get thrown out the game. You you don't accept hockey. You know, hockey, you could you can do that in hockey, but you know, baseball, basketball, you 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 try to, you know, handle things like that in one of them games and you know, you're out of there. So the physical part of it being able to like, you know, settle a lot of stuff right there, you know, on the field, the competitiveness, and then just the fact that I feel like people didn't respect me. Like, you know, always just, it just, it just, that gave me what I needed to just keep going out there. And when I felt like I didn't really have that anymore, that's when it was time to go play baseball again. Like something that I don't need that for. Like, you know, I don't, I don't need that. I just go out here like my whole the competitiveness is still there because that's the same no matter what I play. But I just kind of uh, I enjoy the game more, though, like, you know, spending all the time I had to spend when I was there in spring training, getting there early in the morning, staying there two hours after hitting, uh, you know, and stuff. Shout out to Jock Peterson because I was doing that with him and now he 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 been playing. What is he like year eight now, man? He's balling with the Giants now, too. But uh. Yeah, like that type of stuff didn't bother me. Like it was more that type of stuff seemed like more work when it was football than it did when it was baseball. And maybe it was because it was new and it was something I got to after spending all those years doing something else. So, you know, I got back to it. But uh, yeah, I just I just I always tell my son, like, man, whatever that 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 one is right there that you don't need a whole lot extra, you know, to to just push you to do everything you can do in it. That's the one. Uh, take it from, from me as a Chiefs fan. Uh, I was, I'm very happy we drafted both. Well, not you, not you, JD, we picked you up, but um, Jared, I was really happy that we, we were able to get you. Um, I know still to this day, a lot of people talk about in 2006 Madden, how you were like, you know, seventh round pick, you were like a, 
I guess maybe a, a 70 or 68 overall, but like for some reason you play, you play mad like, like you were like a 90 or something. I think your awareness or something must be like a 95 or something. Because I don't know, man, but I, yeah, I used to play with myself on Madden back then and like build myself up into a little all pro. That was about the last time I really didn't play Madden too much though. Once I got to the NFL, it was like, I used to play college and Madden and that was all I ever played. Then I got to the league and I played it for like one year. And then I, right. I played other games. Just like, man, you go to work every day. Yeah. And then you figure out like, oh, it's like, yeah, it's, it's work. My friends would be like, oh, what was you, it wasn't this. I'm like, no, nah, y'all don't understand. It's no, when I tell you we go up there in the morning and leave like, you know, in the late afternoon. I mean, like in between that, it ain't much like other stuff than football. Yeah, there's some, there's some lunch. There's 20 minutes outside of this meeting to go out to practice. There's you know, 35 minutes to do something after practice, eat, whatever that. And then it's more meetings. Like, you know, it doesn't, I don't think my friends and stuff didn't understand that at first. Like, nah, it's, it's, uh, it ain't, ain't no nine to five. Yeah. It ain't like that. No, no it's, it's all day event. It it's all day. And if you want to be good, it's longer than that. Like, <laughs> and not to mention like the, the total takes on the body. That's another thing. Like, like being in, you know, like, the hot the, the tub and the ice in your knees and the arms and everything down, getting stem work, like all those different things. So it goes into it, right? And so, yeah, that's why I don't think people, you know, when I hear people ask me, like, do you miss it? I'm like, I, I miss the locker room. I miss playing on Sundays. But all that other stuff, they can have. They keep all that, man. They uh, keep all I the I could not miss going to that locker knowing I got to put on these full pads to go out here to practice. I don't miss anything about that. Like, there's nothing about that that I'm like, oh, I just missed those days. Not nah, like my back hurt now just like when I think about, like, how that used to feel. On some, and then Kansas City is the worst because it's like you got to hunt it some degrees with humidity in the summer, but then they're going to gonna double back with the negative six in the winter. It's like, how can we get both of these? Like, at least Miami deals with one. They don't get the other one. Like, how how you in a place we get both? I'm like, oh, man, they double right back. on. I remember the first time, because I didn't wear gloves in college. I just take my fingers, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. it started getting cold. And it went from, like, my first time, like, like my rookie year was like, it, it went from being, like, 30-something to like single digits, like over a couple days, right? Like it, it was like a cold chills, like windy and stuff. And so I still haven't been wearing gloves, even though it's getting down here, forties and all of that. I'm still, so it's it's. Uh, I, I remember I come out the house one day, I'm going to the to the truck, and and it's like hurting when I walked outside. It was hurting, like it was so cold. It hurt like my ears and stuff. So I'm like, I put my hood on, I hopped in the car, and I looked at the thing. And that thing said three. I said, oh, no, it's three degrees. Like, and you got, I'm from California. I've met like, man, so I done been in this same place. It was a hundred degrees when I came here for rookie camp. Right. And it was humid and all this stuff. And I'm going to work and it's three degrees. And so I went out there, I practiced. I said, I got my fingers taped, whatever. And we doing ball drills and bam, they keep hitting my hands. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> told, told Gibby, I got to go into the equipment room, went in there in the equipment room, got me some gloves. I wore gloves ever since that day. He like, because he, even when it got warm, I had gotten so used to them. Like I, I never took them off, but that's the three degrees in KC is what got me in gloves. Like, God, man, I, I had never felt nothing like that. Like I, I never had felt cold, like hurt. Like it was the first time I had been anywhere where it could be cold enough that it would hurt, you know? 
You know, like I remember my ears and my nose, like how it felt when I walked out. Like, nah, this is a different level of uh, I, I wasn't used to looking at the weather that, you know, Kansas City made me kind of like get used to checking my little phone and see what the weather was going to be, because nowhere I ever I mean, I've been in California and that was it. Right. And so everywhere you wake up, it could be raining. It could be cold today, but that means in the 50s. Like, you know what I mean? It could be warmer tomorrow, like up in the 90s. But it's all like whatever you could deal with. I never walked outside and it hurt. I'm like, yeah, I need to kind of be aware of what I'm doing when I come out the house in the morning because it could be a problem outside. So, yeah, that's what KC did for me. And then everywhere I played seemed to be cold. Nowhere as cold as KC, though. Philly wasn't as cold. New England wasn't as cold. And Minnesota wasn't as cold. None of them got, none of them touched when I was there. None of them touched the temperatures that KC touched when I was in KC. I mean, KC, I think we played a game against the Dolphins, and they said like the windshield was like negative 31 or something. Like, it was like a game against the Dolphins that was like nine to seven. The field was like frozen. You know, that end the arrowhead where it freeze, be a rock. Like they said the windshield was like negative 30-something. I'm like, yeah, nah. It, nope, nowhere I played after that got like that, you know. Uh, but, yeah, KC is a special place, though, man. Like, you know, you get a little bit of both elements. All them fans there, that's what I like the most about getting there is just kind of like the, the fans. Like, the fans didn't care nothing about me being a seventh-round pick. Like, you know. And uh, you feel that, too, like that kind of the love from them. Like, we don't care nothing about that. Like, if you can do that, as long as like, they don't care, you know. And so I, I felt that, and that was cool, uh, uh, you know, transitioning into that. But really, it was just a chip on my shoulder since draft day that, that powered me through, you know, everything. And they got a starter. The, the seven-round pick, they got a starter in the seven-round pick. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how yeah. can you not be happy at that? You know what I mean? Yeah. For real. Yeah. And, they, and and sometimes, like, like so my perspective, like, when you came in, like, they don't really know what guys are picked at and stuff. You know what I'm saying? We just, like, when you're already in the league, you know, you just kind of – You don't you know, you get it like that. It's, Yeah, you, you, yeah. you know who's on. Right. And so when you were starting, and I'm thinking, you you know, you probably our first, you know, top three picks. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, for real. I mean, that's yeah. that's how you, you're thinking a guy who's starting. Right. Is projected. That's how it is, first, second, or third round. He's he. That's where he is. Right. right, that guy. So, you know, you played up, man, and that's my hats off to you because it's just a testament about what type of competitor you are. You know, what I'm saying the mindset, and you, and you how you, you said that on that stage, being able to come out there with that mindset, that is 100 percent true, and that's you. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying so. There ain't no separate pick. It don't matter who somebody where they pick you at. It's about what you where you respond and what you do when you're out there, man. So. Yeah. You being a starter, that's that's a first third round pick all day long. I don't care how anybody else slices it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. And, and it's the weekend right here. Well, a lot of these guys will get that edge in some way, whether you are the, the number three pick, number two pick, seventh round pick, guys are going to find their, their edge as they move forward in their careers. So, all right, fellas. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Chief Concerns. I hope everyone got a little bit of, uh, you know, some firsthand experience of, of what these guys go through on uh, during draft weekend. Fans, everyone's got their own thing they're nervous about. And then obviously you guys have your own things to uh, be nervous about um, during draft weekend and, and things to think about. So it was a great episode, Jared. It was awesome having you back on, man. We'd love to have you back yeah, on again, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having yeah, me, guys. Appreciate it, my brother, man. Much love to you, man. Hey, 
Take care of your sons and your family out there, man. Keep that bat in their hand. I know you're gonna yes, get them sir. tight. So, yes, sir. We're gonna we gonna get them right. Yeah. They ain't gonna be walking around here with back problems like they daddy, man. Nah, we not we ain't gonna do that. We're gonna avoid those. We're gonna take a detour. Yeah. Right, right. Sure. <laughs> All right, my brother. All right, All right Okay. Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.